Welcome to Times Talk, the podcast where we dig a little deeper into the issues facing Malta right now. I'm Vanessa Keneally. On this episode, how relevant is religion in Malta in 2020? We speak to the country's leading cleric about the future of the church. You're either irrelevant or nobody cares about you, or, or they think that you are a pain. And... Maritime traffic generates a lot of underwater noise, and cetaceans, including dolphins, are really um, sensitive to underwater noise. It's a phenomenon happening around the world, including here in Malta. Animals returning to cities and towns because of the COVID-19 pandemic. churches on the islands of Malta and Gozo. And while many still celebrate Mass on a daily basis, those attending are fewer and fewer. So how does it feel to be part of an institution that is struggling to adapt quickly enough to attract new members? Times of Malta Editor-in-Chief Herman Grech spoke to Archbishop Charles Shakluna about just that. And just a quick note, this interview was recorded before the COVID-19 lockdown took place. I don't know if I'm wrong, but it seems that the church's heyday in Malta is over. I'm making that as a generic statement. Some would say that's welcome news. Is it? Society has to cope for all members, and we have to admit that Maltese society is now multiracial, multidenominational. Uh, it's it's more inclusive than it was 100 years ago. It's gone from day to night. It, it, it's almost become uh, cool to attack the church, to attack church figures such as yourself. And I think, I don't know if I'm wrong, but this happened especially in the last five to ten years, I would say, post the divorce referendum. <laughs> uh, one would say that, you know, when the bishop is attacked, at least... Um, he exists. I mean, uh, you're either irrelevant or nobody cares about you, or or they think that you are a pain and they attack you because you are a pain. Do you like being a pain? I I don't enjoy being a pain, but um, I do appreciate that. uh, I'm not, you know, my voice or my views or my take on things may not be welcome in certain uh, either parts of the country or by certain people but, but okay that's 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 a fair take um and uh, i think that if you have the the freedom to criticize i think that's a very precious freedom um i don't think i should be afraid of that do you do you feel you have the, the freedom to 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 criticize because uh, let's face it so many people especially fr- from the labor yeah, uh, party camp in malta uh, say you've you've exceeded your limit time and time again um, but they're free to say what they want because I'm free to say what I want. Um, no, I feel free to say what I want. Uh, I, I have, however, the duty to be responsible when I open my mouth. That, that is um, a, a rare privilege of the Archbishop that when he speaks, he needs to understand that his words do not only have a content but they may also have unintended consequences. 
I'm I'm talking to um, a society that realizes that the church, because we don't ignore our history, has baggage. Is it difficult for somebody like you, with somewhat liberal views, like Pope Francis, who is a, actually quite a liberal, to fight the conservative elements of an institution like the church? I have people um, who work with me. They don't always agree um, with, with what happens or what is decided, but th- I think that's legitimate. It, it would be an unfortunate day when the archbishop, or any leader, I would say, is surrounded by yes-men or yes, women. Um, I think that you need this healthy debate on issues that can be debated. There are certain things in our faith that that are non-negotiable, but there are so many other aspects of life because um, society, the world, are developing at a pace which, which is, you know, um, really, really quick at a pace which is very quick and uh, at times we, we, we take our time to catch up Of course one of the things which has changed dramatically and which is changing society is social media I mean everybody is on social media nowadays. Do you think it has helped to, to fuel uh, the hate out there? I think um, it's, it's not that people become uh, more cruel because of the media my take on it is that we've lost personal contact if we limit media to this virtual um, dimension where we don't have personal contact we we have that sort of digital distance that allows for the expression of um, I, I wouldn't say hatred, but also anger, frustration, that you wouldn't have in a uh, face-to-face conversation. I mean, we have the new phenomenon, for example, of families um, b- falling victims to um, social media because everybody is in, in his own or her bubble. bubble. And, and they're, they're pretending that they are living under one roof, but that roof... It is not a home. Do you think, let me say greed, do you think it is Malta's biggest problem today? We have to acknowledge that construction drives a huge industry. But what are the effects? Is it enhancing our quality of life? Are we safer in our homes? Is our country more beautiful? Or is there a high price? Are we... What are we leaving to our future generations? An uglified country, soulless? And, and this is something that needs, needs I think, uh, scrutiny and needs an examination of our consciousness. So who, who's to blame we? to this, though, Archbishop? Is, 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 is it politics? Is it education? Well, I, I, think, I think that the, the, the best... Uh, way to tackle this is to um, say, am I an accomplice in this? Uh, who, who, I mean, it, it's it's easy to blame other people and, and not to realise that you are also part of the problem. We realise that in Malta, um, land is, is the most precious commodity we have. What to do with it? And, uh, you know, the church 
divested itself of huge tracts of land and gave it gave these to government and the commitment was that the government would use them for social purposes uh, and I think that that is something that has to inform each and every one of us uh, so even if the church needs funds and sells a piece of land um, what is going to happen with that piece of land obviously it's the responsibility of the developer but there is also the responsibility of a planning authority and if if we keep thinking about development piecemeal building by building and 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 constructing ugly building by ugly building and not have a holistic approach to it then we'll continue to to render this beautiful island into the mess we're creating and do you think it's a mess it is a mess yes and especially when you see village cores being raped by our hunger for a quick buck and vilified we've discussed greed we've discussed social media we've discussed also an element of the you know selfishness and education but ultimately do you think malta has a problem with racism are we racist we've been invaded by so many people we do have a siege mentality that's not going to go away we have to fight it i must i would say every day uh, because it's it's part of almost part of our dna and so i think that before condemning anybody i don't think that we should waste our energy in condemning we need to understand in order to uh, empower people to do the right thing yeah. and be hospitable but the problem is we tend to be welcoming towards those who are showering us with money not to the ones uh, who are actually in need and this should be church's crucial role that we should be ideally welcoming and helping those with no money even though we might have an idea the idea that they are invaders yeah and and of course the i'm with you there the narrative of invasion is something that um populists would use all over europe and i'm trying to understand why why certain people react in the way they do um as church in malta we're trying to do our best but i think that main challenge we have is to persuade people that um the gospel of jesus challenges us to welcome the stranger still to come how wildlife around Malta is reclaiming its rightful place around our cities and shores during the lockdown. What did 2019 mean to you or a loved one? Maybe it was the year your baby was born or your grandfather turned 100. The Times of Malta has released its annual selection of its 150 of the best images captured by our photographers last year. This great gift costs just 28 euro including delivery or a little more for postage and packaging if you're listening from abroad. You can order by simply emailing daniela.said@timesofmalta.com. That's d a n i e l a . s a i d @timesofmalta.com.
That's the sound of kayakers who spotted some dolphins near Valletta last week. It's one of several sightings around the island since COVID-19 forced many tankers, boats and ships to stop operating. The lack of sea traffic and noise from sonar equipment has brought marine life closer to shore, including in the Grand Harbour. And it's not just here. In recent weeks, mountain goats took over a village in Wales, while deer reclaimed a town in Japan. You ready? Yes. Okay. Joining me now is marine biologist Alan Day Dune. Welcome to Times Talk, Alan. Thank you for the invitation. What is perhaps novel and what is actually fascinating is that um, there's been quite a number of them, a number of sightings. So it's the number of sightings and the fact that the sightings were made quite close to land. So this, the it's quite rare for these um, uh, cetacean species to be actually uh, viewed within harbors, uh, things like the Grand Harbor and even Marsamshet Harbor, and within uh, bays which would normally be, uh, you know, uh, f- riddled with with uh, sea craft and so on and so forth. So that is the novelty in it. It's not the actual occurrence and sighting of the species themselves. One of the most plausible um, reasons I could think about is obviously that there's uh, that uh, due to COVID, our waters are much less hectic and much less bustling than they would be at this time of the year. Uh, and what is the link between this? Obviously, uh, sea traffic, maritime traffic, generates a lot of underwater noise. And cetaceans, including dolphins, are really um, sensitive to underwater noise. We must realize that water is much is a much denser medium than air, and therefore uh, noise travels at a much faster speed underwater than uh, in the atmosphere. And therefore, normally they would uh, basically uh, shy away. They would normally be precluded from coming close to the shore because of this underwater, because of huge amounts of underwater noise that we generate close to the coast. It's not only maritime craft, sea craft, which generates underwater noise through engines and so on, obviously. Uh, it's also activities like dredging, activities like coastal constructions, you know, even some forms of, of fishing, like trawling and so on. And, um, you know, COVID has, um, has influenced in one way or another all of these economic activities. And therefore, you've had a dampening of underwater noise generation. And has there been any other changes that you've noticed, subtle changes or bigger changes to wildlife around the coast since COVID? I would say that those species which normally are exploited by men, you know, um, have shown a slight increase, you know. So things like limpets, which are normally, you know, uh, exploited, they are uh, coastal species. So, uh, you know, they, they would live along the, the tide line, if we can say that, because in Malta, in the Mediterranean, we don't have tides. Um, and uh, uh, so those, yes, those are normally exploited to be eaten and so on. So, you, you know, you start seeing their, their populations recovering. Uh, as well as um, their species of algae, green algae, which are normally um, useful as indicators of sewage uh, contamination. Those those uh, species have actually, you know, in some areas declined. And the reason, this is interesting, the reason could be that obviously the uh, sewage treatment plants are discharging lower volumes of treated sewage. You might say what this has to do with, with COVID. Obviously, that's tourism, the impact of tourism, you know, because the resident population is obviously the same 
prior to COVID, but we've had um, almost a complete stop to tourism. And obviously tourists contribute to the, to the, um, to this huge problem, obviously, like, like the residents, you know, um, and that could be a direct link to it. Although, you know, it might be too soon to see these trends because as you know, in science, you need large data sets, you need long trends and to, to, to be able to tease out uh, these links between COVID and uh, changes in populations of coastal marine organisms, you need now to do much more research uh, over the coming weeks and months. You and the wildlife community around the world, you must be excited by this. This is the first time in ever, really, that you can show people how damaging human beings are to, to wildlife. It's quite ironic, you know, uh, that through a public health um, emergency, which is COVID, uh, we get to, uh, you know, reveal a hidden aspect of the of the marine world. Normally, since most of us sit snugly in our chairs on land uh, and therefore we see very little of the underwater world, we believe that there is nothing out there or very little out there. Whilst normally these species would be there, but they would be uh, shying away, staying away from us for their own good. You know? So this is basically lifting the lid on what potentially the sea could be and what potentially it could offer. We don't necessarily need to visit exotic places to get a glimpse of these majestic creatures, you know? Uh, and as we return, uh, hopefully in the coming weeks, months, whenever, you know, to our daily routines and so on as the pandemic is addressed, we should keep this in mind so that at least some of the benefits, uh, you know, that were, were uh, unheard of or uh, totally unexpected prior to COVID, we at least we retain some of the some of these, you know, when in, in the in the new normal that we have to adjust to. OK, it doesn't mean that we don't use vessels anymore. We don't go out at sea anymore on boats and so on, or we don't, you know, construct anything close to the coast and so on. But we should keep this in mind that we should try to limit our impact to the bare minimum, uh, to what's, you know, absolutely necessary. Uh, and we should take uh, impacts such as those coming from underwater noise more seriously, because some of the impacts we're fully aware of, things like uh, plastics nowadays, litter, there's a lot of awareness about that, you know. Um, some other sectors, you know, awareness is slowly increasing, like marine alien species and invasive species. Whereas underwater noise is a completely, you know, untilled uh, field, because very little research has been conducted so far, but uh, results are coming in from that research showing that it has a significant impact. So yes, let's try to, uh, you know, uh, retain some of our responsible behavior even after COVID. And let's obviously keep supporting research into these novel areas. Do you get excited when you look around the world and see that it's not just Malta where this is happening? Yes, of course, because <laughs> there is this, uh, you know, unifying globalization factor. Uh, that, uh, you know, you, you don't have uh, a phenomenon happening just in one single place, 
but you know, there's <laughs> we're in it together as this motto, you know, as this cliche is going round, is doing the round the says actually. And you know, another another uh, analogy is the air quality one, air quality improvement one. You know, these satellites, uh, like from the Copernicus uh, service, you know, in Europe, are showing us the great improvement in air quality which has happened all over Europe. And this hasn't happened only in Malta and Italy, you know, everywhere. So, uh, you know, th this is a unifying factor for all of humanity. Um, and it's good because it makes for some compelling arguments. When you when you go to these multilateral fora to try to, you know, negotiate for uh, cuts in climate change emissions, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, this makes your task somewhat less challenging because nowadays everybody, you know, around the globe is experiencing the same thing. You know, and uh, soon we'll start seeing the first publications and literature coming out, you know, of, of researchers uh, comparing experiences in different countries. And that is, yes, really, it makes for some riveting, riveting uh, reading. Thanks for listening today. Please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's any topics you'd like us to investigate, feel free to contact us at the email address timestalk at timesofmalta.com. Goodbye.